Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, and I've been researching the afterlife now 26 years. I'm the author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find our free Sunday gathering, inspirational service, 2 p.m. New York time, but we're global on Zoom. There's a medium demonstration included. Plus we have medium classes, a Facebook group. You can listen to past episodes and so much more. That's it, wedontdie.com. Now on to the show. If you've been on social media lately and you're interested in the afterlife, chances are you've seen something pop up about a brand new film called After Death that is coming to nearly 2,000 theaters October 27th, 2023. Now, if you're watching or listening to this after that, fear not, it's probably on demand somewhere and it's going to be a big hit, so you'll want to keep listening. The film After Death is a gripping feature film that explores what happens when we die based on real near-death experiences conveyed by scientists, authors, and survivors. You can find out more about the film and where to watch it, because now you can get tickets for it, by searching After Death Film anywhere on social media, or even easier than that, go to angel.com forward slash After Death. Our guests today are the director of the film, Stephen Gray, and producer Jens Jacob. The film After Death, like I said, is a big deal. And I am thrilled to say, Stephen and Jens, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Well, thanks so much for having us on, Sandra. We're really excited. Yeah, an honor. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. First, let's see, where does one begin? Because I'm so excited. I'm like a kid with a giant Christmas present right now, because this is my thing, and our listeners and viewers know it as well. But maybe uh, where first, let's just say, where are you guys located? Where are you sitting right now in the world? (laughs) I'm based out of uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, Currently, I'm in San Jose, California. San Jose, very nice. And I am just south of Boston, Massachusetts, in a little town in Rhode Island, USA. Okay, so now it's a big film. It's coming soon. But where did this idea begin? Stephen, is that with you? Yeah, so um, really this the, the whole idea for the film kind of started born out of loss. So um, I've been a filmmaker for about 15 years now and um, kind of mostly in the commercial space, uh, a lot of commercials up in Canada here. And uh, But a number of years ago, my brother-in-law was actually uh, tragically killed uh, by a drunk driver. And uh, going through that kind of you know immediate sudden loss uh, really kind of caused me to ask a lot of questions. And so um, I actually grew up uh, going to church all my life, um, was raised in, in, a, in a Christian home and, and consider myself a Christian kind of growing up in my young kind of youth and all that. And um, but right here at this moment was kind of this crossroads. And I, I don't know, I just kind of kind of had to let go of the idea that there could even be um, a God or let alone heaven or any kind of afterlife because for me it was kind of you know life was chaos all of a sudden and i just it just didn't make a lot of sense you know um my brother-in-law was he he was such a good you know person and and he also you know he believed in god and and all of a sudden you know it's like what's the point he's just gone and and it's just kind of chaos so anyway it was it was a short period after that where um some people started recommending some of these stories of, of people who had you know clinically died and then had these experiences and came back. Um, I want to say there was a, a few books that were given to me and I'm not a huge reader, especially like back then I wasn't a massive reader. And so, you know, I, I thought the idea was interesting, but um, honestly, I just kind of was like, is, is it wishful thinking still, you know, without having read the stories and it was actually, <clears throat> it sounds a little bit strange, but be perfect for you, Sandra, in terms of audio, <laughs> I got, um, I got given a CD actually of uh, I can't remember where it came from, but it was it was a recording of a few people that who had near death experiences, and uh, the first person I heard was I think Dr. Richard Eby's story. He's this guy who who had fallen like two stories from a building and, and cracked his head open on the sidewalk, and the things he was started to describe um, about what he saw in that kind of next 
you know, conscious experience was it was so detailed and so articulate. And honestly, yeah, this is the first time I ever heard something like that. And I'm thinking, what on earth is a doctor doing talking about this? You know, and, and is he a doctor, right? So, I, and of course, the first thing I did was just Google everything I could about him and trying to look him up and, you know, thinking, I don't know, is he just calling himself a doctor? And sure enough, he's a medical doctor. And this, you know, apparently did happen. And, and it's quite, you know, an amazing story. One thing led to another. That definitely got me hooked. Um I consumed something like 30 books, I think, immediately after that. My wife, my my mother-in-law as well. We just went down a road of, you know, kind of getting into every kind of book uh, we can get our hands on. And um, yeah, there, there's a lot of different stories out there. Uh, I think for me, though, I just kind of, I needed to get back past some skepticism, skepticism, I guess, at that early stage. So I was gravitating more towards the stories where there, there's probably going to be a lot of evidence around what they're describing. And I know that's not everyone's story. And it's just, just because of circumstances, you know, not as it, as it turns out, you know, depending on where someone dies or how they die is kind of indicative of how much evidence there's going to be or not. Um, so there's a few stories that for me to kind of rose the top and I just thought, um, okay, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> And I just want to, you know, I'm curious how many movies there are on this or how many documentaries there are on this. And as I started to explore, it's like, well, at that time, I think it was like 2013 when I started getting this idea. And there really wasn't much out there. There's a few, but not a ton. I mean, I and I did watch everything I could. And I bought every DVD and whatever obscure kind of older um, thing I could get my hands on. But yeah, it was just, you know, the, I guess the quality and different things like that just wasn't speaking to me. And I believe these people's stories in the books, but in the film format, it just didn't kind of come through in that same way. So I just kind of thought, well, I guess I'll go make one. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I don't have the means to make a full uh, feature film at that time. But what I could do was I could save up and figure out how to, in a scrappy way, tell one person's story. And in my head, I just thought, you know, if that's all ends up being, so be it. But I had this idea always to make a feature documentary. I thought the chorus of kind of so many different stories because of these, you know, 30 some books that I read was really interesting. Like how many of these stories, you know, combined together, I think tells a, a bigger, more powerful story than, than a singular story. Cause it's just like, what is going on here? And, um, and I think there's power in sort of like testimony after testimonies, like so many people, so many people. It's just like this, this can't be avoided. You can't, can't, can't ignore it. So anyway, I went out and told one story in 2017, uh, Captain Dale Black. He's this guy who died in a, in a, in a plane crash, 1969. He hit a monument in Burbank, California with two other pilots. And, um, the one pilot was, uh, very clearly dead, um, you know, no resuscitation ever could 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 happen to that person. The other, um, the other there was Dale and and uh, Chuck were both pilots that at, at first didn't have any vital signs, but then I think after, I think it was 16 minutes or something later they kind of showed signs of of movement or 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 vitals, so they were shoved into the same ambulance, brought to you know an emergency uh, uh, hospital, and uh, they began an operation on both. They lost Chuck. And they managed to barely kind of keep Dale alive. And, you know, he didn't share his experience for so many years. He actually kept him to himself because he felt that this is sacred. This is something that was really just meant for him. But fortunately for me, you know, he eventually did publish a book and I read it and I just thought, okay, here's a plane crash. Again, This is there's going to be an investigation there's obviously going to be some kind of documentation or a plane crash. And there should be in that documentation something at least alludes to, you know, how dramatic this plane crash was and is it survivable or not and all that. And it turns out, you know, the next day after his plane crash made the headlines of the LA Times because at that time, 1969, it was very rare or it was a big spectacle for, for any plane crash. Even one his size was a 10 passenger plane. Today, you know, maybe, maybe less so uh, of a thing, but at that time, pretty special. And so it, made the the headlines of the LA Times as well as basically every single newspaper in Southern California at that time. So there was a lot of uh, newspaper documentation about 
the, the plane crash. And actually, there was a really famous uh, LA Times photographer that happened to be in a helicopter um, circling, circling the, the place. I think it was like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes after the crash itself, after some people started gathering around. And um, he actually took some beautiful you know, film photographs of, of the crash, which is, you know, wild. So all of that documentation, I think, helped kind of paint a picture that, yeah, this plane crash happened. I, for sure <laughs> and it was at least you know clear that two other pilots did die were not could not be brought back and dale was did become the sole survivor this is all published and so and then i yeah i went and told his story one person's story made a 10 minute film not knowing kind of where it would go hoping that it would go somewhere but not knowing for sure 2017 when i when it got released you know it got a fair bit of attention um Kind of to my surprise, I wasn't sure how people were going to react to it. Honestly, I didn't even know if they, they would believe the story or whatever. I just made it to the best of my ability. And I think it was in that same year, Jen's like, uh, so Cypher Studios had put out a feature-length film called The Heart of Man, which had released in theaters. And uh, it's, it's also a documentary, but I use that term loosely because it it you know it's half of it's a narrative film. It's beautiful, beautifully shot. It's really also a really difficult subject. Um that not a lot of people want to talk about. So in a similar way, I thought, how how on earth did these guys pull this off? <laughs> this beautiful film, and it's really done in the same kind of approach and style that I wanted to do with this feature. So I just reached out to them and, you know, shared who I am and what I'm doing. And um, I mean, Jens can probably tell the rest of the story. Yeah, but let's talk to Jens. First of all, yeah, how did you meet? You pick up the phone or somehow you got connected through uh, Steve Yeah. Stuff? Steve, Steve actually just sent out a cold email um, to me, I believe. And yeah, this was around 2017, I think 2017 or 2018. And uh, we we get uh, a handful of these like uh, ever so often. So, you know, you take them all for a grain of salt and but you want to explore and see, you know, what people are, are, are pitching you. And so thankfully, Steve was smart that he had a video or like a short something that kind of was just more than the the idea. And um we were just blown away by the short the short was so beautifully done so tasteful um and i don't think i'd ever seen anybody quite uh depict the afterlife or or heaven or any of these like concepts in this way so i i thought it was just a very unique expression of that and um when, uh, we hopped on a call with steve heard his story and um really believed that there was something you know bigger here to his point he had a vision for a feature and um, we had even played around with the series to see if it could you know there's just so many stories as you know you've done 400 of these you know episodes there's just countless stories out there and we just thought oh this would be so great for it to, to steve's point to be it to be shared in a more visual way because everything else has been either like books or you know articles and, and and things like that, so it was quite the 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 challenge and the feat to try to depict the afterlife. You know, obviously there's not much to to go by other than what people are talking about inside, but the visually it was you know it was very uh, unique and I would say innovative in the way that we've had to think about it. We we kind of stayed away from what I think has been uh, plagued with uh cheesiness in other like former adaptations of of, of stuff like this you know it kind of go, goes clouds and cherubs and uh we really loved steve's take on it and not that it's so different in the sense of like what people are saying he just took that and interpreted it in a way that actually made sense i think which to me was this cosmic kind of expression of of, of the afterlife so it was just very beautifully uh depicted and yeah, so we we signed up to be the production company behind it. Uh, my business partner Jason Pamer and myself uh, were the producers, and along with a uh, an amazing team. I mean, we've had hundreds of people touch this film. Uh, it was just yeah. an incredible cast and crew that all uh, signed up to be a part of it. And yeah, we uh, thankfully uh, right around the time that we were finishing it, we submitted it to Angel, and they loved it. The, the guild loved it which is their their um their group of supporters and found ourselves this year with a huge theatrical release on the tail end of covid and all this stuff that was preventing a lot of uh, us from like working and 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 doing this and so 
it's been a long time coming. It's been, you know, a little over five years now and for Steve, many more years. Uh, but we're so proud of what we've been able to accomplish with with uh, the the limited resources uh, that we had. And yeah, very excited to for people to experience it on the big screen. I can't wait. Jens, let me ask you, when this project came about, what were your thoughts about the afterlife? Yeah, I uh, similarly to to Steve, I had grown up Christian. Um, but even then, I, I would say it's the thing that I doubted the most of what it would look like to 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 see the afterlife. And in in a weird way, I don't think I ever even doubted that there's a place where like maybe there's like a, a creator or God or whatever is. I just doubted this idea that we go there afterwards. I don't know why. That was just kind of like my my inherent doubt. And so um but I always struggled with the topic of death and just what it means to die. Uh, and and even further than that, non-existing. I don't know why. It was just such a deep concept for me that I couldn't fully grapple with. And so I've always questioned uh, this particular topic. Um, and, and it was timely. I mean, we we you know to spend years of our lives, you really have to dedicate you know um, quite a bit of your energy, resource, and you know your your talent to something. And it because it takes years. It's not like days or weeks or something like that. So you have to make sure that you're fully on board with the subject or the topic or the whatever it might be. And I, I just knew everybody struggles with this question. There's not a single person that hasn't thought about it, whether or not you believe it. There, you know, you think about it, you 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 grapple with it. And for me, I, I kind of wanted it to be a student of the project where I went through the journey myself to understand the facts, the stories, the, you know, what, what, what this was about. And so that was a, a beautiful place to be. And I love that about documentaries because it's such a beautiful mechanism for, for how you can learn. I wasn't really great at school, but I loved learning through documentaries and visual, like, you know, videos and th things like that. So being a student of this project, as well as a producer was an incredible experience because it really was a sponge in this season, letting the interviews, letting the the facts, letting the cases kind of speak for themselves. And then, um, yeah, and and Steve brought a, a, a plethora of, of knowledge and history and research that he had done prior to this. So we were very lucky that we had, or at least Cypher had that to start with. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely was, was uh, maybe not as much of a believer at the beginning of the project, was, was probably the resident skeptic in the group and found myself uh you know reaching my own conclusion through the film which i hope everybody does um you know regardless of if you if you believe it or not there's something i think that you'll get out of this film um uh, and and that's the, that's the beauty of of the way that this story was told so yeah i'm excited before we get into who's in the film and kind of some of the things that happen can you talk a little bit about Angel Studios? Because when I first clicked on that link, I thought, oh, this is a fundraiser. What's, what's happening? And I just kept watching the numbers go up and go up. And it's like, you guys have a commitment to be in 2,000 theaters across Canada and the United States. And I know our international friends, it'll, it'll make it there to you soon. Um, but talk to, what is Angel? And how did that come about? Because they've done some big films. Yeah, and actually, you know, even when we started this process, they weren't really even on the map. They're they're very new to the scene and which is very exciting about the innovative approach that they've taken to what it looks like to distribute film and and TV. Um so traditionally it's studios uh you know, maybe one or two or a handful of people at those studios that are decision makers and content and you know, it's a hit or miss. They're they're kind of hoping that they just gamble if 10 projects come out, one will be an ultra success, you know, not eight will fail, maybe another one or two will break even. And, you know, it, it kind of either went that way, where it's just some uh, a group of people that might be out of touch with culture, making decisions or uh, ag algorithmic um, uh, content, which is like Netflix, where they're just looking at the numbers to just see, oh, okay, we're going to just push out this type of content. But also, you just get flooded with a lot of garbage. So this is kind of like the two places that you've kind of had traditionally and Angel kind of took a, a model where they had they got a tremendous success from doing a crowd 
uh, crowdfunding for for a, a series called The Chosen. And out of that, they allowed the, those individuals, thousands of people that that had donated to become stakeholders in the project and to really help uh, propel and promote what they would call amplifying light. That's kind of the mantra of, of, of the type of content that they want to put out. And to their credit, I mean, they really energized thousands of mini marketers and promoters and and uh, people that were just very invested because they put not only time money uh they they their love their support they they were just a part of the journey with a lot of these filmmakers so they just built this really great community that now the guild is what they call it has i think a hundred more than a hundred thousand members that that are involved that get to be a part of picking what the next angel project is and they have um so it's all based on what what the people want they don't make any decisions outside of the guild the guild is what the the primary decision maker is so if it gets a certain amount of votes it goes through the pipeline if you will to then become the next angel project and in that you also get to be uh, an investor, whether that's uh, so, we did a PA investment, which is a marketing investment. So, people were able to, part- since the film was already done, they got to vote on the final film and then participate in the investment in our marketing, uh, which was an incredible experience. I think within, uh, was it, was it a hundred hours, Steve? A hundred hours, yeah. Within a hundred hours, we raised uh, 1.25 million dollars. Uh, you know, which is unheard of for an in- independent filmmaker. Uh, you know, with our, uh, you know, resources, th- this was an unbelievable experience for us, and is what really propelled um, because of how well that they did with the chosen, and then also Sound of Freedom, which uh, you know, over the summer was a huge beat out most blockbuster movies, including. Um, uh, 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 what is it? The um, Indiana Jones, Indiana and Jones, Mission Impossible, and Mission Impossible. Yeah. yeah, which you know, it's it just it's unheard of. So what they've been able to do, uh, and again, I think it just comes from the support of the people, uh, and and th- we are now a a um, a benefactor of that, where we're able to work with this community uh, to get this film out, and they really saw fit that we would be the next you know big release out of Angel. Uh, and I think it is has a lot to do with how uh, just interested this community and I think largely the world is about near-death experiences. Um, you know, there's so many of them that happen now and, you know, you hear stories here here and there, but I don't think anybody's ever quite put it together like this and able to to um, beautifully package the the facts, the stories, you know, what 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 currently exists from the NDE community now. I know people in our life after death community are so excited about it. Some of the research that I've done depends on what study, but there's over 70% of people believe in the afterlife, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But probably 100% of people are afraid of what people think if they find out they believe in the afterlife. So there's this <laughs> inherent fear that we all have. And I had it. I was like a nasty skeptic. So I'm the perfect messenger for this because I didn't believe in it. <laughs> took a lot of convincing. And now I'm th- the biggest supporter of sharing what I know about the afterlife and bringing these great conversations. But I think what's happening and what I feel happening, even within myself, is people want to share what they love. They want to share their beliefs. They want to share the signs that they've received. They want to share the books that they've read. And as human beings, we're afraid of what people may think. I was petrified when my book came out. I thought I was going to lose my family, my friends, and my business community. I thought they were going to think I was insane to have a book called We Don't Die. (laughs) And it didn't happen that way. People Mm -hmm. were excited, interested, and asked me questions. And, you know, I get a random person that just wanted to pray for me that I'm, you know, in the devil's work or something. Okay, thanks. But the thing is, with this film... It's like giving permission for people to openly talk about it. And I think what's going to happen is when people start talking, they're going to realize that their friends believe in it. They just haven't said anything. And I think there's a real potential for this film to be the catalyst for 
just everybody talking about the afterlife, whether they believe in it or not, but reasons to believe, whether it's near-death experiences or some of the science things that are happening or some of the doctors involved. But I, I'm so proud of you guys, Stephen, for having that vision and, and going for it. And it sounds like it's 10 years in the making to this. I mean, it really could be that explosion that's going to not only let people be open about it, but let's face it, we've all had grief and there is nothing worse than having a loved one pass and to just have an opportunity to have some hope, hear these stories, come up to, with your own conclusions, like you said, but then something magical happens. I think when anybody starts researching the afterlife, it's like, well, what else is there? Well, who am I? And, you know, you might have psychic experiences and, and things. So kudos to you guys for following your dream. Thank you, Sandra. I mean, it, it's true what you're saying. I, I think uh, we uniquely uh, uh, have this ability to help shape culture in terms of uh, a, a movie about NDEs has not gotten this wide of a release prior. Uh, so this is like a huge step forward for this. And I would also like to believe that it's extremely validating for the people that have had NDEs. And I think it's going to be a really cool way for, you know, if, if you did experience this or you do question and can't openly talk about it to be able to invite people into the conversation by like, as easy as saying, Hey, come watch this movie with me, you know, is such an easier way to, to digest it, to, um, uh, to feel like you can talk about it, to feel validated. So we we encourage everybody to kind of take the skeptics, your the skeptic in your family or the skeptic, you know, in your group uh, to a to a film like this. Yeah, I I think that this film is like one of the one of the perfect kind of conversation starters. I mean, especially for someone that you know definitely hasn't kind of given a thought to that there's something after i mean I, I think of even my neighbors uh here you know where i live and some of the conversations we've had about you know obviously the course of making this film even um there's interest but you know there's a, you know, there's a few of them that just i mean a lot of my friends too that just don't believe don't subscribe to that there's anything after it's just kind of like that's just wishful thinking and i think this this film does a really good job of not hitting anyone over the head by any means but just letting this, the the stories speak for themselves. I mean, I will say also, not everyone in the film even believes in life after death. We don't, we don't, we don't assume kind of anything of the audience, and we definitely don't want to, you know, subject them to like this is what it is, and you need to believe it, and like that's it. <laughs> um, but you know, you you watch the stories and you see the research, and yeah, and the hope is that you kind of come to conclusion. But it's for sure a conversation starter. Like it'll get someone, I think, ninety percent there if they're considering, uh, you know, something after, and then I don't know who, uh, yeah, I think it's just like, you're going to have all kinds of really interesting conversations after having watched this film. One of the cool things too, is kind of the, the, the way that the story is told and the journey that you go through is through a skeptic. His name is Dr. Michael Sabom, And that he takes you through that whole journey of every question you're hoping to ask. He's asking it in real time in the, it's, so it's very, um, I want to say refreshing because you don't like, you know, you don't feel like, oh, like I wish they just, you know, said this or asked that. So it, it's, a, it's a beautiful, I think, way or a door into the conversation as well, because it really does ask some of the hard questions. And also, I think it's this perfect merriment of uh, the real stories, which, you know, tugs at your heart, but then also the facts and the science uh, and the scientific community that's kind of, uh, you know, done a lot of research into this. So it, it, it does this beautiful merriment of both the heart and the mind in terms of how you enter the conversation. I love it. And you don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. Younger me, like I said, was so opinionated. You you couldn't tell me that this stuff was real no matter what. And it, you know, I woke up in the mid nineties with a huge fear of dying. Where it came from, I don't know, but it was there. And so it just had me start secretly searching. You know, first I grew up Catholic, great stories, wasn't sure, didn't calm that fear. 
And it wasn't until really getting into not just near-death experiences, but taking a course in mediumship and electronic voice phenomenon. I had some holy cow experiences that really tipped the scales to me that this is real. However, you know, I wasn't going to tell anybody about it. Again, that fear, because I used to badmouth people that talked about this until my dad got sick and five months later he passed. And I dug into the world of grief and I never knew really what happens to somebody when they grieve and how we can hit rock bottom. And sometimes grief is what takes us out of life. We want to check out when our loved one dies. Some people even take that action. So I just felt like I had this moral responsibility to share what I know, share what I know about grief. And so, you know, I'll be a big champion to get this out and let, like you said, skeptics form their own decisions. And it may just plant a seed for some people and they might get a little older and go, oh my gosh, there is something to this. Or people might start having, you know, we all have these weird psychic experiences. I like, how did that happen? To realize is that there's more to us than meets the eye. So it's told through the story of the skeptic, but let's talk about some of the people who are in the movie. Um, I know I just cut and pasted this, but you talked about Captain Dale Black, author of Visiting Heaven. Don Piper, author of 90 Minutes in Heaven. Dr. Mary Neal, author of To Heaven and Back. She's a spine surgeon. John Burke, author of Imagine Heaven. Dr. Jeffrey Long, author of Evidence of the Afterlife, who just came out with, uh, he's talking openly that after 5,000 near-death experiences that he's studied, he is 100% certain there is an afterlife. And of course, we all know Dr. Raymond Moody, author of Life After Life, and so many more who coined the phrase near-death experiences. Plus, isn't there something like 14 people that you have within the film? Yeah, I think we interviewed 14 people who made it into the film kind of one way or another. Uh, that doesn't include, we do have some uh, sort of like archival as well, kind of mash into the film, kind of show that, you know, again, this is something that's been studied all around the world, not just here in North America. So you're bringing yeah. in these people's stories. Oh, go ahead. Jens. Oh, and I was going to say so many pre-interviews too. I mean, I wish we could have been able to include a lot more, but you have like, you know, sometimes an hour and a half or, you know, two hours to try to, make the case or make the story but yeah there's just so many just un unbelievable the amount of stories there are maybe with the digital copy there could be some of that bonus bonus features yeah <laughs> so with the people i just mentioned and more are they telling their story i no, i wish i got a bird's eye view but i've got to wait till october 27th but um <laughs> yeah you've got some of the heavy hitters there and these aren't mm -hmm. and, and nothing wrong with just the average man or woman that has a near-death experience because it's real, but sometimes when you hear it's a scientist, it's a spine surgeon, medical doctor, yeah, pilot. There, there's something, I think there's something really profound about, um, well, there's two things that kind of jumped out at us when we were kind of going through these different stories. Uh, we were kind of gravitating towards people that had something to lose in telling their story. Um, and then, you know, besides that, um, and sometimes coinciding with that, someone that, you know, would maybe have changed their entire life around. I mean, even in even including like a profession or whatever, um, to, to, to move away from kind of selfish motive to selfless motive. And that it was that it was serious enough and real enough that they would be willing to risk everything to change their life around and commit to that lifelong. Um, and then to us, that was kind of like, man, there, there's got to be something real about that experience because why on earth would you do that? I mean, if they're just making it up, <laughs> um, that's a, that's a very strange move. I don't know what the, there'd be like no logical purpose for it. Right. So, um, yeah, there's, there's several people in our film that, um, that had something to lose. I mean, Mary, Mary's story was that, um, she's been depicted in, in a few other films. She was also in Netflix's, uh, surviving death. In our film, we, we go into a little more detail in her story, um, but she's, you know, as a spine surgeon, and actually just like on a personal level, Mary's, you know, pretty introverted. Uh, she, she likes to kind of keep to herself and she kind of, she wrote the book because she was told in her experience that she needs to tell her story. And, it, you know, that's a long story, but the writing of her book was a whole interesting endeavor as well. It wasn't so simple and it didn't just come about, you know, overnight. Um, but she, you know, she's kind of shy about sharing personal details of her story. She has a family. 
Um, and she, you know, she's a, she's a spine surgeon. She has her own medical practice out in Wyoming and she's, you know, she's doing fine. You know, she's happy as she is. Um, she doesn't want to open herself up to the world and, and expose who she is and what she believes and, and, and what she experienced. Um, but she's compelled to do that because she's told to tell her story. So she does. I mean, you have to remember doctors and nurses and stuff in, in her medical community. This is like, that's her, those are her colleagues. Those are her friends. And, you know, most of the people in that field, you know, don't really believe in any, any of this kind of stuff, or at least don't, none of them are, you know, advocating that we need to talk about this openly. It's just not, not a thing. And so for her to, to go and, and share that so openly is, is kind of, uh, she has, she's risking her, her, you know, cre- you know, credentials or whatever. She's risking like kind of her perception, right. Of what people might think of her. And putting, you know, putting that at risk, um, she has nothing to gain by writing a book. She doesn't need the money. <laughs> she's doing well as, as obviously as a doctor and with her own medical practice. Um, and like I said, she's a private person. So it's like all these reasons to not tell her story. And yet she does. Um, now, she didn't have to change her career around. She's already <laughs> doing work kind of in service to people and, and helping people. Right. But there are some stories of, you know, people who let's say we're in the military and, you know, they have a near death experience and, and um, suddenly they can't uh, use weapons anymore. Suddenly they can't continue missions anymore because they just, this is like counter to what they experienced, counter to what they learned in their experience. Um, I think one of the biggest transformations that we have in our film is not the only one, but uh, it's Howard Storm. He's kind of a bit of our hero story. And we just came to, to love Howard and, you never know how it's going to turn out. You know, we interview all these people like Jen Smetch and we just kind of like, you know, we, we soak up kind of these stories as they come to us. And, and it's so amazing to be able to meet these different people and hear their experiences. But Howard just kind of like, there's something that was really just kind of grabbing us, pulling at our heartstrings. And um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing that somebody who's, you know, he would call himself at the time, kind of like a staunch atheist. Like he was very serious about being an atheist. And, and he also living, I think it was like 15, 20 years being an atheist. So this isn't just like a new thought or new idea or ideology or worldview. He's just like, there's nothing after. Um, confidently. To the point that he's going to, he's he's on his deathbed and he's about to take his last breath because he's fighting to continue to breathing. Um, so all he has to do is give up fighting struggling really hard to keep breathing and and then he just says goodbye to his wife and he knew that for himself when he says goodbye and then we slips to become unconscious that that's just going to be it he's not going to exist anymore and that's like for him serenity that he doesn't have to exist anymore and to his surprise you know his conscious experience continues you know and it's not like um turning over in the bed and then he just kind of kept turning over he was just all of a sudden up out of the bed in a different you know like he thought at first a different place and then he sees himself in the bed and he i mean he knows right away that that's him or that was him but he kind of just like doesn't want to think about that because it's like then you gotta then you gotta think about that maybe maybe you're dead right so his whole story is 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 fascinating in that um his experience 180s his life. So who he was before wasn't just an atheist. Uh I mean there's nice nice people who are atheists around. He was as he called it like uh he d- he lived his life, you know, how do I jump on on the shoulders of other people to, so that I can get ahead of other people? Like it's like it's dog eat dog. It's it's um there's nothing there's no point in life aside from getting status you know being famous getting as much money as you can um you know and 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 at the expense of uh of people's of his relationship with his family and friends and that kind of stuff everything was kind of a backseat to like him and, and his focus and his career and his you know desires in in this world and all of a sudden doesn't want to do that anymore you know and his wife didn't recognize him kids didn't recognize him and eventually i mean his his story ends up pretty sad like his wife and and kids leave him and he you know hadn't spoken to them for years after this after this whole incident so 
And then he actually leaves his profession because he just he's surrounded by people that no one believes in this kind of stuff and he just doesn't really feel like he's doing anything for people in in the profession he was and so he leaves it takes a 90 percent pay cut and uh becomes uh i think it was a, a pastor for um you know shortly after and then all the way till today and, you know in service of others and and you know doing all kinds of missions trips and 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 working with like inner city people and in, in the in the area he's in that's his life you know at the like i say at the expense of his family, everyone he's known, everyone, everything he was before is gone. Um, but for him, it was all worth it because this is what he's supposed to do. That's and it. Got to be true to who we are. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty big change. Oh, so the film isn't all rainbows and butterflies because there is a, another side to near death experiences. People, mm-hmm. some people have scary experiences. I think. Um, you know, we're not fully detached. So there's, you know, as many different near-death experiences as there are human beings. We we all have stuff still connected. But also, correct me if I'm wrong, but people who have near-death experiences, some of them really grieve because they'd rather be there than back here. Yeah, most uh, people that we talked to felt that way. I mean, that includes... There's some people that we, like uh, Jen's mentioned, we kind of did some pre-interviews with a bunch of different people. Um and some, in some cases, it was just a matter of you know we couldn't get to them in time, and our resources are limited, and that kind of that kind of thing. But hearing their stories, some people only had just an out of body experience for moments. You know, let's say in an operating table or something like that. But that experience was already enough, and and the feeling of you know detaching from their body and not feeling pain anymore, and being in this like warm light and 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 feeling love and the all of that feeling and all that description was enough that they're homesick, you know, and they go through years of depression. Typically that's a very kind of typical kind of story for a lot of people who had an earth experience. And also because they kind of come back that no one's going to believe them or, or no one does. And so they, it's, it's like, you know, they're lonely and, and also they miss that place they were in. So, but yeah, to your earlier point, uh, Sandra, we also, because there's, we tried to get as 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 broad as we could with the, the kind of stories we're telling and uh, interview as many people as we could. Um, you know, there in our film we include uh three uh distressing or hellish narrative experiences. And I don't know if that's like a perfect ratio of like um of 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 you know the the, the kinds of experience that that are out there, but um I mean we just wanted to be kind of open and honest and just sharing you know, the, the, the big variety of experiences that people are having, including, you know, there's some people that have um, in their near, near to the experience, they go to a place that they might call the void. But for them, it's that 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 place, which seems to be almost like descriptively the same as someone who had a, had a distressing near, near to the experience. For them, it wasn't that it was. Um, it was, you know, the absence of light, uh, but an awareness in, in a place that exists, that's nothingness. But they're still aware and they're still them, themselves in this nothingness. And then it was actually peaceful. And it was almost like this whole, like not holding place, but almost like this, I don't know, just this gap for a moment. And it was, it was peaceful. And it, and actually there was a few people that we, we talked to, I don't know that we included in the film, but they felt like a, almost like a presence or heard a voice or something. But again, we're only in this void, not seeing anything. So it's really interesting, all these kind of varied you know, experiences. And we just kind of wanted to explore, you know, what is that variety? What does that look like? And and be open and honest about, you know, the, the, all these different near-death experiences. It wasn't only, you know, the heaven or, or the positive near-death experiences. Are there any religious undertones to this? Or is this kind of open for everybody? Form your own beliefs. Here's the information we've got. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's really made for everyone. Uh, the the thing about death is, I mean, it it affects everyone, right? So, um, you know, of course, you know, I'm a I, I'm I grew up as a Christian. Um, my faith was, I think, it, it was renewed after kind of going through, you know, these near death experiences and learning about these stories. And I just I just kind of concluded for myself that I think there is I think there is heaven. I think, and that's the hope that I have too, even for my brother in law that that I can see him again, which is. You know that keeps me going, right? That that gives me hope. Um, but we don't, 
like you know to our earlier point talking about the film we don't spoon feed uh anyone in the reality of 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 an afterlife and so in the same way the same thing for kind of the, the religious stuff too we we of course we have people in the film that you know they they are believers uh not everyone is um but but that's not uh that's not the whole film because again it's death affects us all and we want everyone to kind of come to the table and and uh and and hear these stories and and the science and the data behind it and kind of draw your own conclusions yeah good stuff guys how can we watch the film i know i mentioned it in the beginning but you also have pay it forward can we talk about the logistics of people going to see it yeah so you can go to angel.com slash after death and uh, there you you can you can get tickets um we also have like you mentioned we have a paid forward program which is really cool it's something kind of new that um maybe that's something that angel does uh really well and so if you go to a different url um angel.com slash life after there you have a page where you can you can buy tickets you can also pay it forward for someone else and the and the, the whole purpose behind that is um you know and we, we've done it ourselves even as you know directors and producers in, in in the film um just kind of making it accessible for people who otherwise can't get to the theater to, to watch it and these are real people that do you use these free tickets so they're both paid for by real people and they're both um used by real people and we've heard from countless people that are are you know very thankful that people have paid it forward and so we kind of want to keep that going um make it accessible for for really everyone to be able to be able to watch the film so if you can you go to angel.com slash life after you can pay it forward for as many people as you want um and if you can't um if you can't watch the film or you don't have the means to, to buy a ticket um, you can also use that same URL to, to claim a ticket. You can also claim a ticket uh, from people that have already paid forward. That sounds so good. You guys have been working your butts off, getting the movie done and now advertising it. What do you guys think is possible if you had a little magic wand and you could be 10 years out in the future to see what might happen out of it? Season 10 of After Death. Say that again? I said season 10 of After Death, oh, the series. <laughs> I like it. I've got some amazing. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all in on that idea. Um, yeah, our hope is that, yeah, it that it blows up. And I mean, in a good way, just for that, uh, that people find hope, right? And that, you know, people kind of begin to ask questions that haven't thought about this before, this reality of, of life after death. And we just, we know, I mean, even from making this film, there's so many more stories to tell. And uh, yeah, we would love to continue telling more stories. We just, we want to see how the film does. I yeah. love it. Uh, is anything else you guys want to share before we say goodbye and ask people to go buy a ticket? <laughs> yeah, no, I just can't emphasize enough. Uh, pre-sales are are such a huge indicator. So if you can, you know, tickets are already on sale, go and, you know, find a theater that's local to you. Uh, it is what is the strongest indicator for how opening weekend does, which is then the domino for how much longer it's going to be in theaters, how many theaters it's going to be in, what international looks like. So it's a, it's a big, big, um, you know, task to try to, uh, get the audiences to, to go out, buy a ticket now and, um, you know, and even pay it forward. If you feel like there's somebody else in your life, uh, that's, you'd like to, to, to bring with you or, 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 or pay it forward to. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, uh, I hope that this, um, just has an impact on people's lives. You know, that's, that, that's kind of the, the real purpose for me making the film. Uh, yeah, I hope people begin to ask questions who haven't thought about it before, but also even for this life that we have here, you know, like if you're beginning to ask questions about the reality of life after death and if that, you know, if that is real, what could that mean for this life? You know, how could we think about living life differently here? And so, yeah, I just kind of hope it causes reflection and, and to our earlier conversation, I hope it just kind of, um, that it, that it does kind of have that, have that impact on culture and that, uh, yeah, more and more people start talking about their near-death experience. Oh, those are great words. I just want to share one last story with you. In my previous career, before COVID hit, my mom and I owned a lucrative catering business and we worked with race car teams. 
We fed fifteen hundred people. We were at Daytona and the big race races. Oh wow! It, yeah, That's after cool. my book came out, one of the race car drivers came up to me, a bit a bit older, not too old, but he's now a TV announcer. Yeah, Sandra, what's your book about? You know, and he was trying to feel me out if it's okay to tell his story. And then he told me that when he was young, he was in a car accident, rushed to the hospital. Uh, he ended up floating above his body, looked down, saw his mom and dad and brother praying for him. In the, there, in the afterlife, he was greeted by his grandmother and grandfather. And he said, they were so real that it made this life seem like just a dream. And he got to choose and he wanted to come back. You know, he saw them praying for him and he wanted to come back. But he said, Sandra, without that fear of dying, I didn't have a fear of living. So he says, I was able to get in that race car, drive over 200 miles an hour, win a countless amount of championships because it took away his fear of dying. So it's not my idea that people drive that fast, but with the potential of this film, people will still be a little hesitant, you know, as it's normal about dying. But if we know that we truly cannot die, that we go on, who are we and what is our life for? So I'm so grateful that I've gotten to spend this hour and talk to you guys and let's do it. Let's help people live life to the fullest and reduce some of the fear of dying and help people have relationships that work and good conversation over what's possible all through the film. Thank you both. Oh, thank you thank so you, much, Sandra. Sandra. Yeah, we're excited for you to see it. And we want a full report after we want to we want to hear your full review. I will give it to you. I absolutely will. So Stephen and Jens, thank you for being our guest today. And for our listener or our viewer, thank you so much for giving us your precious time to be with us on this journey. So don't forget, go to angel.com forward slash after death, check out the film, pay it forward, pick up a copy of the a couple tickets for yourself. Um, and just enjoy. I do think that this is really going to have this effect of um, like a snowball effect. And for those of us who might've been a little fearful sharing our belief in the afterlife, maybe this is just the thing. Say, Hey, have you heard of this movie? You want to go with me? You know, we friends and family and open up a great conversation. You'll find that there's more people that believe and that are open than you think you will. And as a reminder for me, please go to we don't That's my home base. Uh, you can click on the store page, see everything that's coming up. At the bottom of wedontdie.com, you'll see my email list. You can join. It says you get the first few chapters of my book, but here's the secret. You get the whole book. I want you to know what I know. Not only that, chapter 10 is about grief, and I think that's the most important chapter, really, to help understand grief and how to move through it to the other side. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So thank you for listening or for watching, and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.